Hello, med students. My name is Zach Olson, and thank you for downloading this week's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. A few weeks ago, we talked about dysrhythmias, specifically tachycardia, and we covered the five categories of tachycardias that you needed to know for your clerkship. And they were sinus tachycardia, narrow and regular tachycardia, narrow and irregular, wide and regular, wide and irregular, with a basic approach to each one of those. This week is the exact opposite episode. This week we're talking about bradycardia. Here's your case. University Hospital, Medic 18, and Route 2 ALS, approximately five minutes, with a 64-year-old female complaint of a slow heartbeat. On arrival, showed bradycardic on the monitor at 35. We are pacing her currently at 72. She was 80 over 50 on the blood pressure. Uh, respirations are at 18. She is cool and slightly diaphoretic. She's also lethargic, but still talking to us. No prior ha- medical history, no medications, and no allergies. And we'll be uh, arriving to you in about five minutes. All right, so a lot going on here, right? But this is a patient who is bradycardic. By far, the most important thing that you need to remember about bradycardia is your core differential. Lots of things, I suppose, can technically cause bradycardia, but drugs, ischemia, electrolytes are your biggest players here. Someday we'll cover each of those in their own episode, but there is a group of drugs called the Brady Bunch, and they include calcium channel blockers, beta blockers, digoxin, and clonidine, and they are all notorious for causing hypotensive bradycardia, or low and slow, as some people call it. Ischemia, and this makes sense, a lot of these bradycardias aren't sinus bradycardia, but there is some block in the conduction pathway. Obviously, most commonly would be damage to the conduction pathway from ischemia. And the last big category is electrolytes. If you ever see an EKG abnormality, literally any abnormality, you need to check electrolytes. You want that K to be four, you want that magnesium to be two. Check calcium, check everything, because electrolytes can cause bradycardia. If you want an algorithm, it's he dies. This includes some less common causes of bradycardia as well, but it's a bit more thorough. He dies, hypothyroidism, elevated ICP, And then your big three, drugs, ischemia, electrolyte, and sick sinus syndrome, I guess. He dies. I literally made that up while drinking a Lamarita last night, so maybe not the perfect mnemonic, but it's the best I got for you this week. He dies. Hypothyroidism, elevated ICP, drugs, ischemia, electrolytes, sick sinus syndrome. That's what you have to remember with all of this, that differential diagnosis, now our approach. Step one, that patient is bradycardic. First step, get an EKG. One reason is that that EKG will tell you if the patient has ischemia, one of those big three causes of bradycardia. The other reason is that the EKG tells you if something is wrong with the heart's conduction pathway. Specifically, you can look closely at that PR interval in that QRS complex for evidence of 
a block where the atria fire normally, but the rate is slow because not all those beats are getting through. Remember, there are four AV blocks to know. You have your first degree with that long PR interval, not a huge deal. Doesn't even really cause bradycardia to be honest. You have second degree, type one and type two. With type one again, not being a huge deal, progressively lengthening of those PR intervals until boom, a dropped beat maybe a mild bradycardia from those missed beats. Type two with intermittent random dropped beats are bad. Again, that's type two. And then those third degree AV blocks, bad, just like a third degree burn, a third degree AV block. Atria fire on their own, but no beats can get through and you get this wide complex, slow ventricular backup beat that's firing in the ventricles, making a wide and slow rhythm. So whether it's to rule out ischemia or to look for those AV blocks and figure out which type might be going on, step one, you need to get an EKG. Now step two, is the patient symptomatic? We all know that lots of people have super slow heart rates, especially when sleeping. And it sometimes is completely normal for them and for their body. So just because their heart rate is 45 and they're asleep, that's not like a reason to like run and freak out unless they are symptomatic. A symptomatic patient with some sort of heart block or with a bradycardia needs treatment. So step two, are they symptomatic? If they're symptomatic, go on to step three, atropine. Your first line treatment for bradycardia almost always is atropine. Specifically, 0.5 milligrams of IV atropine. This is an anticholinergic and acts to speed up the heart rate. Now, it doesn't always work, and that's okay. That's why we have steps four and five. But 0.5 milligrams of atropine is your first-line agent for symptomatic bradycardia. And if that doesn't work, step four, now you give epinephrine. You can start the patient on an epinephrine drip, which obviously both speeds up the heart rate and causes that vascular constriction, which raises the patient's blood pressure. And if that still doesn't work, then you go on to step five, and that's pacing. I want to slow down and spend just a little bit of time here. The type of pacing that you need to know is transcutaneous pacing. Your emergency department, ALS ambulances, all have that defibrillator monitor, that life pack. And these have sticky pads that stick to the patient, and we shock the patient with electricity through those pads. You'll see this a lot when patients come into the ED in cardiac arrest. But these sticky pads don't just defibrillate the crap out of the heart with big jolts of electricity. They have the ability to do something called transcutaneous pacing. They're tinier shocks. Let's say you set it at 60 times a minute. That causes the heart to beat. On your clerkship, learn how to start this mode on the life pack because you can literally artificially jolt the patient's heart at a regular rate to keep them alive until cardiology can start a more definitive option. That's called transcutaneous pacing when you do that. Just remember to give the patient some pain meds if they're awake because you'll be repeatedly zapping them with electricity. What you guys might not know is that well within our standard of practice as emergency medicine physicians, we have another pacing option that you probably won't be trained to do until residency. It's called transvenous pacing, and it's much more effective than transcutaneous pacing in getting what we call capture, which basically means 
causing the heart to beat. Transcutaneous pacing, just because you turn up a bunch of electricity and jolt it at 60 times a minute, sometimes it doesn't capture and cause the heart to beat. And then you like really need cardiology or to do transvenous pacing. If you're like super lucky, you may see this happen on your clerkship, but probably not because it's just really rare to be honest. But Basically, it's like placing a central line, and then you float these pacing wires through it instead of gluing it to their chest. It's pretty effective. You would actually do it through a central line. But that's the approach to bradycardia. Get that EKG. Ask, is this patient actually symptomatic? If they are, 0.5 milligrams of IV atropine. If that doesn't work, epinephrine drip. And then if that doesn't work, start pacing, transcutaneous pacing or transvenous pacing that your attendings will know how to do. And then remember that differential. He dies, if that helps. Hypothyroidism, elevated intracranial pressure, drugs, specifically that Brady Bunch, calcium channel blockers, beta blockers, clonidine, digoxin, ischemia, electrolyte abnormalities, and sick sinus syndrome. That's your differential diagnosis for bradycardia, hypothyroidism, elevated ICP, drugs, ischemia, electrolytes, and sick sinus syndrome. That wraps up this episode. Check out Roshcast again this Wednesday because they're going to be going through some tough resident-level test questions on bradycardia. Test your knowledge. See if you can get these. As always, please tell your friends about the podcast. Send me an email. And until next time... Keep working hard, keep studying, and be sure to enjoy your shift.